Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Monument Church Podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. As many of you know, we've been preaching through the book of Acts, um, and we titled this series, Acts, Let's Do It Again, precisely because that's our hope as a church. We want to see people pointed to Jesus, and we want to see churches planted just like we see in the book of Acts. And so where are we so far in our journey? Um, well, we're in, chap- uh, uh, in chapter one, we saw the Great Commission from Jesus going to kind of all the world and preach the gospel, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so far in the story, last week we looked at chapter eight with Philip, but so far up to there, we've seen basically just that. The gospel has spread wider and wider and wider. And today, I actually want to take a moment to kind of just pause our journey and, and discuss what made the early church such effective witnesses. I mean, how did the gospel radically travel throughout the land and reach so many people? And how do we make that happen again? How do we see that happen again in our day? Well, throughout this series, we've been spending a lot of time speaking about what witnesses of Jesus should be doing um, and really focusing on a lot of outward actions. And that is a very important aspect of being a witness. But there's another very important aspect of being a witness of Jesus. And that aspect is who we are. It's who we are. See, being a follower of Jesus and his witness to those around us, means that we don't only ask ourselves the question, you know, what should I be doing? But, but that we also ask ourselves the question, who should I become? Not just who should I, what should I be doing, but who should I become? I'm, I'm talking about our character as Christ followers. I'm talking about our holiness. I'm talking about um, our Christ-likeness, or also known as spiritual formation. And Jesus actually has a lot to say about who he wants you and I to be. Jesus calls um, those that follow him to become like him and to put his words into practice. I'm reminded of this famous sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus lays out all these, these disciplines for spiritual formation, the, these lists of, of things that his followers should do to become like him. And then he ends his sermon with these famous words in, in chapter 7, verse 6. He says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, Jesus is serious about who you and I are becoming. And the reality is that when you decide to follow Jesus, you, you start a formation war in your soul. And it's a wall that's all about who you are going to become. Are you going to become like Jesus or are you going to become like the world or like um, the people around you? And unfortunately, the bad news, unfortunately, this is actually a wall that the universal church has been losing as each century has gone by. I think Gandhi said it best. He said, I like your Christ but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are nothing like your Christ. 
You see, so many Christians have begun to look less and less like Jesus and more and more like the world and the people around them. You know, for many Christians today, following Jesus in the 21st century has basically been reduced to sporadic church attendance and nominal Christianity. And the word nominal actually means by name only. Christians by name only. In a leaders' meeting a few weeks ago, one of our ladies mentioned that in her experience, the number one reason people don't give Jesus a chance is because of hypocrisy. The, 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 word, the, the lives of the Christian not matching up to the message of the Christian. And so really the question is, what is our response as monument to this spiritual formation war? How do we live out the countercultural way of Jesus the other six days of the week? How do we reclaim our effectiveness as witnesses to the world around us? Well, I want to propose this morning that we stop trying. That we stop trying and we start training. Let me explain what I mean. In 2017, Kathleen and I decided to run a half marathon. Um, and when you prepare for a race like that, you basically have two kind of options. The, the first option is that um, you wake up in the morning and you run the race with no prior training or practice. And you're probably going to wake up and really give your best. But the reality is you're probably not going to finish the race. I mean, even if your pastor came to pray for you at the three-mile marker, you're probably still going to end up in hospital halfway through. Now, the second option is that to take the approach of training. Uh, training involves running much shorter distances long before the race and then slowly kind of working your way into longer and longer distances as you grow more fit. It, it's progressive. When you train, um, you've got a kind of a longer view of the journey. Uh, you also have grace. You've got grace for the bad days and you've got grace for mistakes. And the reality is that when you train, you're a lot more likely to actually finish the race when you do eventually run it. Training is always the best approach when you run a marathon. Kathleen and I learned this firsthand. Yet we too often approach the marathon of spiritual formation by trying our very best. And we often fail. Maybe you can relate. You can relate to really wanting to grow in an area of kind of spirituality and then just getting so tired of failure and just so beaten down by a lack of progress. Instead, we should train. We should train ourselves into Christ-likeness, moment by moment, week by week, step by step consistently progressing. And you know, this was actually Paul's challenge to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. See, spiritual formation requires that we stop trying and we start intentionally training. And this is exactly what we see the early church doing in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 is the account of the early church. You remember um, the disciples are waiting. The Holy Spirit comes down. Peter gets up. He preaches this incredible sermon like off the cuff, a preacher's dream. 3,000 get added to their number. And what follows is this account of the early church's spiritual formation training 
program. We're going to read from verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them. And all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is, a, this is a training program for spiritual formation, for becoming like Jesus. And I want to draw out three things we can learn from this text today. First thing we learn from the early church's spiritual training program is that they trained with everyone. In verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. And then in verse 44, it says again, and all the believers met together. Twice in this passage, it actually mentions the words, all the believers. This is profound. It's profound because it means that everyone who followed Jesus, get this, everyone who followed Jesus trained to, together. Everyone came along. Everyone gathered together. Everyone took their followership of Jesus seriously. Everyone shared what they had. Everyone was leaning to what God was doing. There was engagement from every single person. They were being formed into the likeness of Jesus all together. It's like your marathon training iMessage group. Someone posts in the group the night before, hey, reminder, we're training tomorrow at 5 a.m. And what happens? Everyone pitches. Now, let me say just two things on this. Right now, there are valid reasons why some of us cannot attend in-person gatherings. And those are legitimate reasons. That's 100% okay. Take the pressure off and engage to the degree that's wise. So I'm not recommending unwise engagement. The second thing I want to say is that training with everyone also doesn't mean that we're all running the same length. Spiritual formation um, means that some of us are running 42-kilometer marathons, Mike and Beth, 42-kilometer spiritual marathon. I mean, these guys are running distances. And others are running much shorter distances because we're new to the race. The point is everyone trained together. It means everyone in Monument Church that calls themselves a follower of Jesus trains together. We see in the early church that, that there was some spiritual growth in every single person to some degree. Let me take a moment just to speak to those of you that, that just internally feel like maybe you're here this morning and you just feel like your faith and your, your spirituality has become stagnant. You know that, if you're honest, the, the ways of Jesus have become diluted in your life. And the, the truth is, I'm sure there's a number of reasons for that. Or maybe you know someone like this. Can I challenge you to put your training shoes on again? Can I challenge you to start training again with everyone? Because the truth is, Jesus hasn't given up on you, even if you've given up on yourself. He's not given up on you yet. 
And then I want to challenge probably the majority of us here. Those um, that are training, but we know people that have stopped training. We, we know people that kind of have found themselves on the sidelines of the race. The friends that, whose faith has become diluted or um, stagnant because of the culture around them. And my challenge to us this morning is to go after those people. Love those people. I want you to pray for those people. Write them down in your journal or in your Bible and pray for those people. Start Bible reading plans with them on version with those people. Invite them back to church. Invite them to Easter. Is there a better Sunday to invite someone to church than Easter? Invite them back. The point is, move towards the people that are no longer training with us. For, for the sake of love, for the sake of the mission. The reality is we all go through seasons where... We take our training shoes off and we, we kind of stop our training program. Let's make a commitment as a church to move towards those people when that happens. Let's make a commitment as a church to train together because that's what we see the early church did. Second thing we learned from this passage is that they trained with perseverance. Very key word here in verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. And then there's the list of activities that they followed. See, the early church was devoted. That's the word used to describe their approach to how they follow Jesus. Ben, how does he kind of follow Jesus? He's devoted. Travis, how does he follow? He's devoted. Pete, devotion. Devotion is the word used. And, and actually, it's from a Greek word that is pronounced, I think, proskaterio. It's a, everyone just say proskaterio. Proska, you've got to put the accent on. It's very nice. But, but proskaterio, it means to persist or to persevere. They trained with perseverance. They trained with perseverance. And so too should we train with perseverance. It means doing stuff that you don't always feel like doing. You know, sometimes when you're training for something... You've got really good training sessions. I mean, the time flies by quickly. Um, the, the wind is blowing through your hair. Um, you feel like you're running faster than the cars next to you. But then other times, it's just really difficult. You don't want to get out of bed in the morning. It's the last thing you feel like doing, putting one foot in front of the other. You want to give up, and you don't want to train. And that's the moment perseverance kicks in. That in that very moment, I love the way the writer of Hebrews puts it in, in chapter 12. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance. Let us run with per There's a race. There's a race for us. What do we need? We need to run with perseverance. The race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. See, following Jesus requires perseverance. Becoming like Jesus requires perseverance. Spiritual formation is a marathon of perseverance. And reality is that's not a, really, not a very popular message in our culture, but it is the reality of the teachings that we see in the Scriptures. But... Let's not, talk about the, let's not talk about perseverance 
and spiritual formation without mentioning the blessings that accompany our perseverance. I'm reminded of um, the promise Jesus makes his followers in John 10, 10. He says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. In the midst of our perseverance, we can have life and life to the full. Or the promise Jesus makes um, back to the Sermon on the Mountain in chapter 5. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. The people that say no to sin, the people that do what Jesus requires, blessed are they, for they shall see God. And there's actually a spiritual blessing here in our passage today. In verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. See, as the early church persevered in their following of Jesus together, this deep sense of awe and amazement just came over them as a group of people. It was profound. And notice the order of events of the passage. This is is so interesting. Their perseverance, the initial perseverance, led to feelings of amazement and awe. You know, we live in a a culture that, that idolizes our feelings, you know, I, I, only, I live by my feelings. I don't go to church unless I feel like going to church. And I only engage in worship when you know, I feel close to God. But that's not the pattern we see here in the early church. The pattern we see is that the early church trained with perseverance, and as a result, they were filled with amazement and awe. In other words, commit to gathering together and become amazed. Read your Bible regularly and be filled with awe. Praise God, even when you don't feel like it, and see the glory of Jesus ever more clearly. Those are the blessings of training with perseverance. All right, let's review the program so so far. So train with everyone, leave no man behind. Train with perseverance. And the third one is we see them train with intentionality. See, one of the main themes in this spiritual formation training program is that the early church actually trained with this kind of sharp, focused intentionality. And we actually see it in our passage when the writer lists all the things the early church committed to to doing together. What What did they say? Read your Bible. The apostles' teaching, prayers, meals together, communion, trusting God for miracles, financial generosity, meeting together, praising God. It's, it's a list of these kind of specific practical activities that they engage in. And very interesting, one thing I notice about this list is that although the, the, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, there's also a whole other list of practical disciplines. Do you notice it says they gathered, they gave, they worshipped, they prayed, they ate, they connected with one another. What does that tell us? It tells us that spiritual formation doesn't only center around theology and knowledge. Spiritual, becoming like Jesus, doesn't only center around knowing the Bible off by heart or knowing a lot about theology. It also centers around intentional practices Practices that we engage in together. More knowledge doesn't necessarily lead to more change. Data in doesn't just mean Jesus out. With the information age we're living in, I think it's time we reclaim some of these practices as as a church. Remember the words of Jesus at the Sermon on the Mountain? He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
See, at some point, our theory, our theology must translate into action. You can study prayer in the Scriptures. You can listen to a sermon series on the power of prayer. But at some point, you, you just got to open your mouth and pray. At some point, you just got to do it. I love what St. Augustine said on this. He said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Without us, God will not. So I want to get very in, kind, of, kind of practical and intentional here. And I made a list of kind of monument church, Acts 2, spiritual formation activities. Acts 2, 42, and monument church devoted themselves to dot, dot, dot. Here we go. So, so this is not an exhaustive list. These are just some of the big rocks. There's a whole bunch that I've not mentioned. But yes, some of the things that we as a church give ourselves to together. And, and also individually. Daily time in Jesus' presence and word. Reading his, his scripture. Prayer. Enjoying the grace of God. Sunday gatherings. What we're doing here. Small group or community. So being with other Christ followers. Not only, but there is an element of relationship. There's an element of I'm spurring Travis on to love Jesus better and he's spurring me on to love me, uh, love, not love me better, love Jesus better. Serving in a, Sunday, in, a serving, in a Sunday serving team. Support financially, hospitality, trusting God for miracles. And my question for us is, as we kind of look at this list, where do, where do you need to train with more intentionality? I'm sure when you look at that list, immediately something probably pops out at you as, I didn't really engage with that much. Maybe that's the area that you need to intentionally start training in for the sake of the mission, for the sake of the church, for the sake of spiritual formation. You see, spiritual formation doesn't happen on accident. When you follow Jesus and you cross the line of faith, 20 years later doesn't mean that you're going to be an incredible Christ follower. There's a whole bunch of intentional steps that happens after we cross the line of faith, and this is what we're speaking about. It's an intentional journey that you commit to and you practice exactly like you would when you train for a marathon. So church, let's train with intentionality for the sake of the mission. In World War II, there, there was a German, well, the German church actually supported, I'm not sure if you know this, but they supported the Nazi regime. Um, and during this time, there was a local German minister, um, a man by the name of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And he started this underground Christian training center in resistance to the Nazi regime. And the purpose of this training was to kind of raise up a countercultural generation of Christ followers in Germany that would once again be the salt and the light because at that point in history, the church had become so diluted by politics and particularly by the Nazis. And um, Diedrich's friends were quite concerned, you know, because of his resistance. They also felt like he was being way too radical about this whole thing. So they actually visited him one day to try and talk him out of his resistance to Hitler. Um, and instead, he invited them to go on a walk. And so he took them on a walk up a hill. And as they reached the top of the hill, they spotted, they could see kind of a Nazi training camp in the distance. And he turned to his friends and, and pointing back to his Christian training center, he said, this must be stronger than that. What we're doing must be stronger than what they're doing. As a church, 
What we are doing must be stronger than the culture we swim in. And so we have to train. We've got to train with everyone. We've got to train with intentionality. And we've got to train with perseverance. I mean, imagine every Christian in the world took seriously this call to become like Jesus in character and in heart. Imagine how, how Jesus would use the church in more effective ways for his mission. Imagine how the good news of Jesus would spread even more effectively. And the good news is, we know this is possible because we've seen it happen already. We've seen it happen in Acts 2, and we want to see it again. I'm going to come in for a landing. See, although this vision is inspiring, and I, I do know it is, I, I also realize this is a weighty message. I know that the call to spiritual formation can seem burdensome, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're just thinking to yourself, how did they do it? I mean, how did they live for Jesus so radically? How did they follow him with such devotion? Well, I want to jump back to Acts 2, because at the end of Peter's sermon, we, we see, and, and what's, what happens is, it, suddenly the scriptures shed light on what fueled the early church to live like they did. Acts 2 verse 37 says, When the people heard this, speaking of Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter instructs the, the people to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and there's our answer right there. That's the answer. That's the good news. How was the early church born and how was the early church transformed? By the power of the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the fuel. See, if we're going to run this marathon of spiritual formation, we are going to need to train with the shoes of the gospel. The gospel that continually carries us carries us with forgiveness, carries us with grace, carries us with His love. The gospel isn't only for those new to faith or those coming to faith. The gospel is for Beth and Mike. The gospel is for me, for Frank, everyone. And if we're going to run the marathon of spiritual formation, we need to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. Not just the gospel, but we need this extra power. I know one thing for sure, Monument, that without the gospel, we'll burn out on religion and legalism and moralism. And without the Holy Spirit, we're going to get worn out from trying. Spiritual formation takes effort, but it doesn't only take effort. It takes Jesus and it takes the Holy Spirit. And the good news is that they do most of the lifting anyway. They do most of the heavy lifting anyway. Hey, thank you for listening. Monument is a growing church pointing people to Jesus and planting churches in the greater D.C. area. For more sermons or information, please hop on to www.monumentchurchdc.com.